0: This is an irreverent podcast. Check out irreverent.fm for shows from all our friends. Hello and welcome to Exvangelical, a show exploring the world inside and outside the evangelical subculture. I'm your host, Blake Chastain. My guests this week are the Twisted Sisters, a podcast that spun out of the Inglorious Pastors podcast. The sisters are Becky, Callie, and Amanda, and they each share parts of their stories. We even get to nerd out a bit at the end. Though, because this interview was with three people, the runtime is a little longer, but it's totally worth it. You'll want to hear the stories these women have to share. You can catch their show by subscribing to the Inglorious Pastards podcast on iTunes and elsewhere. And speaking of iTunes, why not stop by the iTunes store and rate and review our show? The last one was left in January, and it's getting pretty lonely, uh, and it's a great way to support the show. You can also support the show directly via Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. One dollar gains you access to the private Facebook group, and there are extra rewards for higher pledges. You can learn more at patreon.com slash You can follow the show across the web. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at XvangelicalPod, and you can follow me on Twitter at BRChastain. I'm going to also include links to all of the Twisted Sister's uh, social links as well in the show notes. All right, let's get into it. Hey everybody, welcome to Exvangelical. I'm uh, joined this week by the Twisted Sister's. They are a podcast that spun out of the Inglorious Pastors podcast, and um, I'm really happy to have them on the show. Uh, First, I have uh, Becky Seville. Hi. Callie Adams. Hi. And Amanda Carranza. Did I get that right, Amanda?
1: Yeah, it's actually Amanda Carranza-Baloo, because I hyphenated, Um, but that's
0: I'm sorry, Carranza-Baloo, I apologize. Well, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks so much.
0: Um, So let's really just uh, kind of start just to get some background on each of you. Uh, Where are all of you from? Are you... Do you kind do you live in the same area where you grew up or let's let's hear a little bit about your backgrounds.
2: So this is Becky. Um, I live in Oklahoma City now, um, but I grew up mainly in Seattle and um, my family moved down to Dallas when I was 13 and then I came up to Oklahoma City for college. Oh, okay. So um, I've been in Oklahoma um, my whole adult life now.
0: Well, that's interesting. I mean, a lot of people come from the center and then move to the coasts, (laughs) but
2: yeah, um, yeah. So I have the, I have heard of people talking about that where they, they're like, well, I lived in the middle of the country. Then I went to the coast and I saw a different, you know, different culture there. And I did exactly the opposite.
0: Has that been (laughs) rewarding for you? Do you, do you like that? I'm speaking as Um, someone who's mostly lived in the Midwest their entire life. So.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, I, I really love the people in Oklahoma. Um, uh, and uh, it, it's it, though, um, I guess we'll get into this more later because, uh, there's culture issues, um, that I don't quite agree with, but, um, I don't think I could live in Seattle again. The people, they're okay, but it, it's just, it's just different. Like, I don't know. It's just a different mindset. Um, here, so I really, I do love it now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Uh, Amanda, how about you? Um, So I grew up in, um, I'm sorry, oh no, sorry, just to, just kind of where, where you grew up, where, where you're living now, that's sort of just getting a sense of where, where you're, where you're from and where you are, so.
1: Yeah, no worries, yeah, I just, I had to change, my. but I have on my on my headphones so i'm using that now so hopefully you can still hear me.
0: yeah you're um, a little quiet but we can hear you fine i could i should probably be able to address that
1: okay that's good um so yeah i grew up in duluth minnesota um i wasn't born there i my um my dad had been transferred to
3: texas before i was born so technically born in texas and the couple years in california but i don't remember a lot of that that but Mm-hmm. Um and then I lived there until I was eight Iowa for college. Um I was going through a lot of the health. Issues. So I am college here, um, went back to Minnesota and then I met my husband Christopher on eHarmony. So I moved back down to Iowa point. Um, I moved here in two thousand nine and now I've been here
0: Oh, okay, yeah. Um Iowa is uh, I've I've only been kind of close as, I've been to like Galena and then to like Dubuque and, and that area. Um but you and Yeah, that's a
1: gorgeous area. Yeah. I love... <laughs>
0: That'd
1: be like a dream place to live, but it's way really
0: too fast. <laughs> <laughs> and Callie.
4: Well, I was born on the west coast but Um, I've lived in Colorado since I was eight years old. I live in a small town of about 20,000 people. Um, It's a college town. It really only gets up to 20,000 when the students are here. So in the summer, we go down even smaller than that. Mm -hmm. I've been here in Southern Colorado forever. I love it here. It's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I know everybody and I like it.
0: (laughs) That's great. So for so for each of you, and you can kind of feel free to jump in or or what have you. But how um how did religion and and everything factor into your life as you were growing up?
4: Well, this is Callie. For me, I um have I grew up. I'm a fourth generation uh, church going Christian on both sides of my family, and so I grew up pretty deep in the denomination that I'm in. And um, I i don't know, I've just been in it forever. It's really difficult to even go outside of that because, you know, it's your culture, it's mm-hmm. your family, it's all right. of that. So it's hard to break, break out. Yeah. Uh,
2: this is Becky. Um, my grandfather, my mother's father was a Church of Christ minister. And so I started out in the Church of Christ. Um, I don't know, like, how, like the first time I was in church, but it was probably within my first month of life. I I would not um, be surprised to know that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we were in the Church of Christ until I was about seven, when uh, my parents had a kind of a falling out with um the pastor or i'm not completely sure what the situation was but then we um, bounced around a little bit went to four square church for a few months um and then found the nazarene church um uh, you know when i was about seven or eight um and i've been in the nazarene church ever since um including now i still am um but i've moved from one Nazarene church to another, and I'm sure well, I, I I do spoilers, so like I'll just keep talking unless someone cuts me off. <laughs> no, um, so but yeah, um, so the Church of Christ is very, very conservative, um, and um, that culture kind of stayed with me for a long time, um, even after being in the Nazarene church, so like some of the mindset did. Um, so that's kind of like my. Church history.
0: Okay, so getting into sort of denominational weeds here, and denomination corner, whatever you want to call it. Um, mm-hmm. So Church of Christ, I am not very familiar with that, honestly. Like, oh yeah, I know that United Church of Christ is very liberal, or at least has that. And I'm not sure the relation, yeah. or if there is one, between Church of Christ and UCC.
2: It okay. So I, it, it, it's, it's not at all the same, <laughs> um, I will say. Um, and like, I'm not sure if this one is like, there's like Church of Christ Anderson and there's Church of Christ something else too. I'm not sure which one this was, but uh, basically they are, um, a, they call themselves a New Testament church. So if it's not in the New Testament, they're, um, they, I won't say that they discard it, but they... Um they put more emphasis on what's in the New Testament. So mm-hmm. because um in the New Testament churches, it's not listed that they had musical instruments in their services, they don't have musical instruments in the Church of Christ services. Mm-hmm. So um they have they do sing and they sing very well because when you don't have musical instruments, you just sing a cappella, you learn how to blend together
3: well. <laughs> yeah,
2: um yeah. But they'll have a um, the song leader who'll be up there with a pitch pipe is the only thing that they allow, just so you can get the right pitch to start. But then after that, it's just acapella. Mm. Um, they are patriarchal, too. So women cannot have any um, authority or teach men authority over or teach men. Um, they can they can teach children and they can teach other women. But all their pastors are male. Um, and even the music minister is male. Like even, like, even leading singing is too much authority for a woman to have over a man. Okay. So, so it's not at all like UCC.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then the Nazarene church, the only, so the, there was only, um, one family that I could remember. And I grew up in a small town, uh, in Indiana. Mm -hmm. Um, and there was one family that I remember, uh, and I can't even remember their names. They were the Davenports. <laughs> they, sure. Um, they were Nazarene, and primarily the only indi- indicator that, that I knew of that is that they were conservative Nazarenes because they wore, like, jean dresses. Um, yeah, they were the buns so, and
2: skirts Nazarenes.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: We have a term. <laughs> okay.
0: Okay. <laughs> And that's
2: um, (laughs) I've heard that a lot here too. Um, People who I tell here that um, that I'm a Nazarene, they're like, "Oh, like I dated a guy who's a Nazarene back in back in high school, or this and that." And they're like, "Yeah, his mom had long hair, and his sisters, and she and sisters wore skirts." I'm like, "Yeah." So it's very um, it's the big tent. Like, so I know that having listened to your podcast, I know a little bit that, um, you were in the Wesleyan church or.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I grew up, you know, I met this and was really exposed to Wesleyanism and mm-hmm. the Wesleyan denomination through my college. So,
2: yeah.
0: Mm-hmm, yes. Yeah, so, right.
2: so, you know, about the big tent theology where there's the a few core things and then, um, we try to include as many people as possible. Sure. Um, and so the Nazarene church, I think, has run uh, like taken that and run with it. Yeah. So it, each Nazarene church is going to be um, at a different place on the conservative scale.
0: Gotcha. So
2: okay. growing up in Seattle, um, we went to – my Sunday school teacher took us to movies, and when we moved to Texas – We were told then that Nazarenes don't go to movies. They don't go to dances. And we're like, when did this happen? Because in in Washington, that's not how it was at all. Yeah. So it really depends on each
0: congregation. Sure, sure. And then the Wesleyan and Methodist traditions have a similar sort of wide array. Like the um, in Wesleyanism, there's actually a, a term like buns and skirts. It's called the Wesleyan wad. And that's when women don't cut their hair. And it just ends up kind of on a wad. On the top of the house. Fantastic. I
4: really believe that every denomination has a sect of that.
3: Yeah. Just because
4: it doesn't matter. I mean, there's like, I know this is a little bit extreme, but there are um, Amish and Mennonites who live down here in the valley. And then there's some who are driving in cars and wearing tennis shoes. And there's some who are just not. I mean, even within the really conservative ones that. there's such a wide range depending on denomination
3: yeah yeah
0: absolutely yeah the the Amish and Mennonite and my in-laws live near a big group of them and some of them have you know the like a power lines going to their houses and some don't it's 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 yeah for sure the it's definitely like a wide diversity of of belief out there um
4: yeah it's hard to classify anyone too tightly within their denomination, regardless of what it is, just because of that exact thing
0: exactly mm-hmm. yeah, and that's that's why i I feel like the podcast that that you and I do um are mm-hmm. so important because it gives that space to like flesh out those things, which I think is right, really this sort of discussion fits this medium perfectly um yeah definitely amanda, how about you what what's your we- what's your we kind We've of lost her, her for a moment. Oh no! Okay. Well, <laughs> she's let's...
2: trying to. It, Skype told her that she had to uh, update, and so oh, apparently okay. um, that is happening at the moment. So.
0: Okay, so it's not she'll trying. be gone for a little okay. bit. <laughs> That's fine. Let's let's riff. <laughs> yeah,
3: sure. So,
0: okay, so um, from there, from kind of where uh, where you grew up, did you both have? sort of any exposure to sort of like youth group culture or those sort of trappings that were really popular in the 90s and 2000s and earlier um and what sort of role did that play in your lives
4: I didn't have any youth group down here the church that I go to has about 35 regular members okay and I was the youth when I was a youth <laughs> and so uh there was no um camaraderie between Me and anybody else because they were all way outside of my age range. However, I did go to a boarding school for high school so that may or may not. I mean, it's so much different going to a boarding school than it is being in a youth group because being in a youth group you go home you've got your parents whatever at a boarding school all the rules are the same for all of the kids and you have no parents to supervise you at all you just have teachers and people who live in the dorm with you Mm
3: -hmm.
4: and when you're 14 years old and trying to figure that kind of stuff out it's interesting it's very interesting I think boarding school is a good experience for me I'm not sure that I would send my kids to boarding school.
0: Okay. Did that boarding school have like um, religious teachings or was it?
4: Yeah, it was a denominational. Oh, it was
0: a denominational school. school. Yeah. Okay. So did it in that sort of environment, did it have some of the things that other people might associate with uh, youth group, like maybe like different exposures to uh, purity culture or being. Oh,
4: definitely. Definitely, that's one of the episodes that we're hoping to do on Twisted Sisters is just to mm-hmm. talk about um, purity culture and how it was presented and how maybe we would like to present it differently in the future, mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. so that
4: so that it has a different. Um, so you don't you don't put so much emphasis on that holy diamond of virginity and maybe
3: maybe
4: yeah. emphasize you know emotional relationships a little bit more
2: yeah I'm the one unmarried sistered, um and it I'm in my thirties, and it still affects me <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I definitely remember youth group culture
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, um i I now, some of the more horrific things, especially when it comes to purity culture, like the chewed gum and stuff like that, that didn't happen. But um I did it my high school. Did it? <laughs> they,
4: they, oh they totally gosh! Did that. Oh yeah. Yeah. The glass of water that they pass around to everybody. <laughs> uh, oh,
2: well, man. that did happen in biology class in high school, though. Like we did something like <laughs> it, that for. It's a much I better
4: think, biology experiment than it is a Bible class. Oh well, yes,
2: yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. Um I remember thinking that, like, I, I remember thinking that I wouldn't date anyone unless I was going to marry him. Like, yeah. why why date someone, why date a guy if I wasn't going to marry him? And now I'm like, that's just ridiculous. Like, how did I, how was how that a thing? But um, I, I understand parents trying to protect their children.
3: Mm-hmm. But,
2: uh, We need, like, common sense education, not, like, oppressive
4: stuff. but remember, for our parents, that was common sense. I I know,
3: that's true.
4: You know what I mean? We're actually having to completely re-educate ourselves if we're going to do something different in the future, Uh which I can't believe I'm getting into this right now. We should save it for our own podcast. (laughs) (laughs) we, We really do. I mean, that was their common sense. You know, yeah. that's what they were taught when they were kids. As soon as they kiss someone, they're married to them.
1: Mm-hmm. And it and
2: probably was just a different, I mean, uh, different time period, different opportunities. And I don't know, maybe.
4: It is. It's a different culture. It was a different culture then, and it's a different culture now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we have to be willing to change our our teaching and our understanding mm-hmm. of culture as we go along. Otherwise, right. we just—that's uh, part of the reason why it's so difficult to stay in the church because they—they they change so much slower than the culture. They don't lead the culture. They—they they don't even really follow the culture. <laughs> they uh-huh. stay so stuck. Uh-huh. They're so stuck. Absolutely. They hold on to the culture
2: <laughs> with ropes pulling backward and like trying. They, yeah.
4: They have to be dragged along with the culture, kicking and screaming.
0: That's yeah. What. Yeah, <laughs> that's definitely true. I um. I I talked to Stephanie Drury recently and she wrote all the she wrote a lot of posts for her site stuff Christian Culture likes years oh, ago. Yeah yeah. Yeah. She she wrote I started that,
2: following her on Twitter. Yeah.
0: <laughs> she's she's hilarious and awesome. Uh she used to have this like satire blog that was part of her online, you know, persona and everything. But the thing I told her and which is totally true, she wrote those years ago and they're all still true because nothing's changed <laughs> with which I think is uh you're it's totally it's a completely like valid point you both made like the 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 culture just doesn't change the the church culture and the evangelical culture in particular just wants to stay c- cemented and that's mm-hmm. how they feel uh, they're being a witness but um <laughs> but things like this where where you are you know still processing and deconstructing things in your thirties. Um, that are yeah. relative to this and I'm just, I'm positive because it's been 100% this case and anyone I've talked to about this, that women and girls bore the brunt of that. Um, and, yeah. and it's, it's total bullshit. <laughs> um,
2: yeah, it is. It really <laughs> is.
0: So <laughs> it-
2: Yeah. And that's the thing. And and it still occurs, though. I I, I do feel like there is a shift in culture happening, but it still occurs that women and girls are supposed to um, dress in appropriate ways and are supposed to um, defer to men. And it's just it's it is it's just a load of shit.
0: (laughs) Yes, it's totally true um so throughout this throughout your um throughout your your youth group and college and everything else um when did it, when did each of you really start to become more aware of the sort of environment that you were in as far as your your faith and how that forms your life and how it informs everything um a lot uh and sometimes I feel like like when you're sort of developing through evangelicalism and you sometimes feel like you may hit the wall, like in the Truman show, (laughs) Mm, there's there's like a boundary there that you didn't know was there until you hit it. Um, But was there anything in particular that sort of brought you either of you to that point individually or was it more of a, more of a combination of a number of different things?
2: So for me, nothing happens quickly. Like I, I don't know if you know anything about the Enneagram, um, but I'm a five on the Enneagram. So a person who likes to, um, research and gain knowledge and just like soak in knowledge before making a decision about anything. Mm Um, and I, for me, so I have a degree in biology. So my bachelor's degree is in biology. and in my, um, origins class that I had to take in college. And I went to Nazarene university. Um, and, um, we had, uh, the biology major. Well, I was a pre-med major at the time. So biology and chemistry double major. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had to take a class called origins. That was about, I mean, essentially about, um, the beginning of the universe and about evolution and all this stuff. and. Um, in that class, we had to write a paper like our final paper about, um, what our, um, opinion on origins was like on the origin of everything. And at the time, like my professors were very much into, um, uh, theistic evolution and or evolutionary creationism. There was debate about which way to say it, where the emphasis was, but, um, I think a lot of people know it is theistic evolution. And at the time I still wasn't quite ready for that, but it did intrigue me. Um, and I wrote my final paper, essentially supporting that saying that that's what I believed looking back. Now, I didn't quite yet believe that. (laughs)
3: Um,
2: I so uh, looking back down, like that was, it was dishonest, but it was a first step, one of the first steps along the way to where I am now. Um, beyond that, like, I just think, um, going to other countries, I lived in Kenya for a year as a volunteer missionary, um, and seeing, um, Seeing culture there and seeing how American culture is not the only thing out there and how, how American Christianity is tied in with um, government um, was not the same situation in other parts of the world. Um, and so I think just little, little things along the way just kept um, chipping away at the, at the um, artifice that I'd built
3: throughout the years Mm -hmm. or had
2: been built for me. In the beginning, man wondered to himself, why, oh, why are we here? And yet with each asking of this question, the answer would become even less clear. Overwhelmed by fear, distraction took
3: its place. And so it was in the world's first shelter that we began the human race, the human race to fill up more and more Empty space. Oh, how we loved the human race.
2: Kelly, what about you? Well, for me,
4: most of that scientific stuff, historical record, all of that, my faith has never hinged on it very much. So if someone had come and told me, well, when someone did tell me that there was no worldwide flood, I was like, hmm, interesting. Didn't really (laughs) bother me very much
2: yeah you find um, Kelly is different it has a much different background than Amanda or me <laughs>
4: yeah i i I mean I've been in um the denominational schools. I was a teacher in the denominational schools um but i my deconstruction really kind of started when I got married, and I was living with my husband for the sur- first six months, and we were fighting about who was going to take out the trash and that kind of stuff. And I went to a counselor by myself and he basically asked me a lot of questions that brought me around to the realization that I couldn't earn God's love. And then after that, all the other bricks started to come out because for me, I'm such an achiever and I felt like I needed to earn my way into heaven and earn God's love. And it just felt, I don't know, I just felt very, uh, like I needed to achieve. And all of a sudden I realized I didn't need to achieve. And it was kind of a slow burn for about 11 years. And then last year, it kind of, my sister got cancer and everything else started kind of falling after that. Prayer Hmm. has always been one of those things where I was like, why are we praying? I don't even know why we pray. Praying doesn't make any sense. And so uh, (laughs) Really started to deconstruct yeah. <laughs> I just started oh, to too. deconstruct the idea of prayer. And then, and then I started listening to I got super frustrated with the construct of the church and that kind of thing. And then um started listening to the liturgists and then it was an explosion. The slow burn stopped there and it hit the powder keg and then it, <laughs> and now I'm really deep into my deconstruction. Although Fortunately, I've always been an, an annihilationist, so I never – I think that's what kept me from questioning whether God even exists or not because I've never questioned whether God exists. I've always known he exists, um, and I never even questioned that. And I think annihilationism is the only thing that kept me on that.
0: okay. So annihilationism mm-hmm. being the, the belief that people that don't turn to God just cease to exist, right? Instead Correct. Of, instead of there being a hell. There's no eternal
4: conscious hell in my right, belief system. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Um so. so that's uh so that that's very interesting as far as where where you began was this um coming to terms coming to terms essentially with, with God God as love instead of God as like a, a rule or a rule keeper and like a Yeah. Um
4: throwing the stick out because you're never gonna measure up.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and so you said. I mean, it it was this slow sort of development over time, and then, then you know, through this series of events, that's when things really just started to. You would say negatively. You would say spiral, or you know, or yeah, um, but it's not really necessarily uh, a negative thing. (laughs) Um, It's not necessarily easy, but it you know it's also. Um, it can also be really beneficial. I, I mean, well, I would
4: say more lately, it's been very difficult because I live in the same town with my family. My husband's been in the denomination his whole life, and so have his parents and all of his brothers and sisters. And so, with me saying, Why do we go to church again? I'm not really sure what this is all about anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Why um, do we have
2: a pastor?
4: <laughs> Uh, Yeah. The why do we have a pastor has been really hard, which is difficult because I love my pastor. He's such a nice guy. I just don't know why he's a pastor and not just my friend. (laughs) (laughs) That's so terrible. Um, I feel bad because it's his job, but I'm trying to figure out what exactly is his job. Um, I don't know. There's just so many questions that I have now and it Definitely, I, I don't always know how to ask those questions without hurting the people who I've grown up with and loved and mm-hmm. are in my culture. Yeah. I don't know how to ask the questions without being antagonistic so that's extremely difficult
0: instead of me asking questions um, how, how about what are some of the questions that you have like could you share some of those and like what sort of questions you' uh, you know you're running into and how you're how you're trying to process things like what, what questions are are coming up for you right now?
4: Well, I mean, prayer was definitely one of the first deconstruction things that was really antagonistic against, you know, when I say, well, is there really a worldwide flood? They're like, we don't know. It doesn't really matter. And so it, that's okay. But when I say, why are we claiming this promise so that this person gets healed and they don't get healed? you know why do good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people and all of that when i ask those questions then that's when i start to get the the eyebrow raises from people saying you know don't screw with our constructs cuz we like them and they make us feel all fluffy inside uh-huh. <laughs> that's uh-huh. really difficult so the prayer thing has been very hard like what's the purpose of prayer What's the purpose? Why do we ask for anything material? Um, Also, one of the things that really bothers anyone who's political, and my family tends to be somewhat political, why do we try to protect our lives so much? Why do we need guns to protect ourselves? If we really truly believe in an afterlife, which we do, even though we're annihilationists, if we're good, we believe in an afterlife. Why are we so stressed out about protecting this ephemeral life?
3: Mm-hmm. And
4: I don't I don't get lots of answers on that one either. I just get a lot of eyebrows on that one. Um why is it so important that I'm in church? Why do we continue to do church the way that we do it? Why are we all sitting in pews watching one person talk to us and we have no mm-hmm. conversation? It's just us going sitting Listening and then coming home and sleeping the entire day after that because guess who was teaching in the children's divisions? It was me. Uh And, you know, why are we doing that? Um, I mean, those kinds of questions. Why do we have a pastor? What is the pastor's job? Why do we have a building? Why are we bothering with some of this stuff that's so expensive. I mean, it's really expensive to keep up a building. My husband's the treasurer, so I know how expensive it is. Even in a small (laughs) town, it's really expensive. And in a denomination that's worldwide that has um, a corporate structure, I mean, we sent a hundred grand from a church of 35. In one year, we sent a hundred grand to the big conference. And oh, what, wow. what did they wow. do with that money? Where Where did that money go? You know, I want to know why we aren't taking our money and creating free daycares. If we really want people to stop getting abortions, why aren't we creating free daycares so that they can keep their baby? You know, <laughs> yeah. These are questions that I have and I get the I get the eyeball. Well, you don't know what the church does for us. No, I don't. And that's and that's, and that's, the that's problem. sad. That's right. really sad. <laughs> I should know. Yeah. I mean, these are I mean, so I have questions that are theological, but I also have questions that are practical. So I don't know.
0: <laughs> Those are all And big... I don't get a lot of answers. Right. Yeah. And that's and and that's exceedingly frustrating when when you're looking people in the eye and asking for those things. I'm sure. Um, yeah, because it sounds like you have a close knit community, but you don't have. We people. do.
4: I do, and I really love my community. I love the church members. I um I love my parents. I love my family. I think they're all great. And I feel like if I ask these questions too much or too strongly that I'll disconnect myself from them. And that's, that's very difficult.
0: Mm-hmm. And that fear is sort of in the air right now. <laughs> um, yeah. Fear fear of people being cut out or cutting out other people. I think politically it's just there. Um, uh, you know, fearing that you share something that's too liberal or conservative for one of your friends on Facebook. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That creating a rift or whatever um right but, which
4: is why you do closed facebook groups oh, right. just gonna yes. throw that out there
3: <laughs> exactly and you
4: make people pay to get into them right <laughs> um <laughs> but
2: but there's healing there uh, yeah that's and connections like this um
3: Sure. Where we,
2: I mean, this would like our podcast would not have happened and we wouldn't be here talking to you without the, um, the pastor's pub, um, Facebook group, which, and that's a place where uh, really we can say anything so long as it's not attacking some, someone else in the group, but Mm -hmm. we can, and ask any question. we've had the whole gamut of questions
1: asked in there. So, yeah. Yeah. Amanda's back.
0: Amanda, hey.
1: <laughs> yes, I'm back. I have mean, a <laughs> different computer now that won't, hopefully won't freeze again.
0: Well, I'm glad to have you back. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, we've been talking a little bit about just sort of everyone's um and the sort of questions that they have, um, that they've sort of struggled with as they've exited evangelicalism or however you yeah. want to refer to it. Um so I don't know if you uh, would like to sort of share sort of your religious background. So we have a, a sense of that and sort of where and also where you are now, how you how you're approaching that part of your life.
1: Yeah, sure. Of course. Um, so the way I kind of look at it is I'm 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 in the midst of deconstruction number two in my life, um, which is kind of. Like when I think about it, it's kind of crazy that I'm already at number two because I'm only 30. Um, I just I've been through a lot of stuff in my life, a lot of trauma, um, hmm. a lot of change. Um, so just as far as like, like unlike Callie and, and Becky, where like where your your families were very much long standing in the tradition that you started in, um, My my parents both. Um, started going to the church that I grew up in when they were in college, because it was actually a new church, and they were college students. Well, my mom was at least, my dad was already out of school. Um, and then that's that's kind of how they got connected to this church, because it started as like a like a college Bible study, and then became a church of of its own. So my my mom grew up Lutheran, um, and her whole side of the family is still Lutheran. Um, my dad is from El Salvador. Um, and he grew up in the small minority of people within El Salvador that are not Catholic. And so when my dad came to the United States as a student, he didn't really have a strong religious background at all. And so for any of the my mom coming from the background that she had, just, I mean, not that my family, my mom's and the family isn't very um, committed to faith. They are my grandma, especially, but just for some reason for my mom, it wasn't really all that important for her. Mm -hmm. So when they joined this church, um, that was like the first experience for them really finding what they would call like sound biblical teaching. And that's kind of what the entire platform of the church was built on. And so um, that's what I grew up in once we moved back to Duluth. And it was very formative. There are experiences that I'm very thankful for within that culture, within that church. But um, it was a cult, to put it bluntly. Um, Looking back on what I was taught, we idolized doctrine. That was the entire point. Um, There was no purpose to the community if we weren't right (laughs) about God, about the Bible. Like That was the entire point even to, to the level where the pastor would spend entire months on sermon series explaining why all these other people were wrong. Um, and it was even the point where I remember when I was like 12 wondering if there were any other real believers in the world besides us. Wow. And, um, I mean, there's, I don't know any better way to describe a cult than believing you're the only ones with truth. (laughs) And so it's not like it was a cult where, you know, like we had to, you know, give all our money to the church and like women couldn't wear pants. And, you know, it wasn't anything like that. It wasn't what you think of when you think about those like crazy cults that get on the news. But our entire lives were still controlled by what this pastor told us was doctrine. And he was the only one that we could be sure was interpreting the Bible accurately for us, hmm. and we couldn't trust our own ability to believe the Bible because, you know, the heart is deceitful above all things and des- desperately wicked. And anyone's let's listen to our podcast has heard me say that. And that's mm-hmm. the only, that's the verse I know better than any other verse, even more than John three sixteen.
0: Wow. And
1: so, that that was my first deconstruction was deconstructing out of that <laughs> environment. Um, And I I almost like deconstructed out of that environment into evangelicalism because we were so fundamentalist and so conservative that even the average evangelical wasn't, you know, a real believer (laughs) to us. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So like getting out of that church and discovering people like Beth Moore and Francine Rivers was liberating for me because it was the first time I was exposed to women's voices that had strength and power Wow! outside of just being, you know, a submissive wife. Not that they don't believe that. I I mean, I can't speak for them, but that was really, really powerful for me, reading um, Beth Moore's book, Get Out of That Pit. Um, Hmm. So within the last couple of years, I've started actually deconstructing my faith, which I didn't really do the first time. (laughs) Um, And so now I'm asking more questions like, is God really God? Is there a hell? What does it mean to to live a life that has meaning? Um and um I actually go to a Quaker meeting now. And oh, wow. the thing that, that drew me to that was um there's no pastor. <laughs> um I not I, I don't have anything against people who find or I don't have anything against the concept of people who do find meaning in a congregation where there's a pastor, as long as it's healthy, of course, it has to be healthy. Mm -hmm. It can't, it can't be, it's not going to be healthy if anybody up front is telling you, you have to listen to me or you're not going to be pleasing God. But for me, I don't think I could ever be in a church again with a pastor. I've just got way too much baggage, way too much trauma with that. And so that's kind of where I'm at now. Um, I really um, started the beginning of my faith deconstruction through Gungor, so kind of similar to Callie with the liturgists, <laughs> but um, I just I discovered Gungor first, and I love their music so much. Um, I followed them ever since I first heard Beautiful Things, and, um, and then, of course, once I found out that Michael Gungor was doing a podcast, I started listening to that, and then I found Science Mike, and then I started following Science Mike religiously on Twitter, and then... <laughs> When his book came out and he was like retweeting anyone that was interviewing him, I saw the inglorious Pastors and I was like, oh, that looks interesting. So I listened to his episode and then I found out there were three ex-pastors in Indiana and my husband's from Indiana. And so I was like, oh, we have to listen to this. And so <laughs> like I like binged their podcast and I made my husband listen to an episode and then we both joined the pub. And it's just that was back in October late September early October I think so it's just kind of spiraled from there and like my like six months ago if you told me that I'd be podcasting <laughs> that I'd be doing this that I'd have that I'd actually have real friends <laughs> like mm-hmm. that
3: yeah I would have but been you'd... like how <laughs> what
2: that you would drive for hours and stay in someone's house and she's not even there
1: yeah I know <laughs> <laughs> That so we would drive down and stay in someone's house in Oklahoma City to go to a a wedding in Dallas, Texas, of people that we'd never met. It's just, oh, it's just crazy. <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: <laughs> um, and I don't know if people know that story, but <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and, I mean, that sounds like an um, just a harrowing journey that you've been on. Um, I know the journey is like a you know Christianese thing, but <laughs> yeah, but <No. laughs> but I mean that, but that life story is. I mean, I'd, given what you went through, um, and this the upbringing that you had it, and I'm glad that you found something like a Quaker meeting that gives you the space to ask the sort of questions that you need to ask now. Um, yeah, because I I just and I, I think that one of the one of the main things that's so toxic about evangelicalism and fundamentalism uh, is that it makes you doubt yourself and your ability. Yes. <clears throat> yes. It makes you doubt your ability to interpret on your own, um, yeah. which is ironic given that that is precisely what Martin Luther unleashed upon the world <laughs> with, with the <laughs> <Yeah>. revolution. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so then,
2: and so then Protestants, what then they go back to like the, Saying the pastor, or it was a priest at that time with him, but they they go back to oh, the pastor is the one who tells us how to interpret this. I'm like, what? That's
1: no, that's not what he was doing,
0: <laughs> <laughs> right? And yeah. so, I mean, it, there is, I, I I believe that there is a role for seminary educated people, um, mm-hmm. but it but that role is not to uh, to make another person lesser <laughs> and to yeah. some, uh to yeah. some to sublimate their will and their understanding and their ability to interpret something, even the own, mm-hmm. the, their understanding of the world. Um, <laughs> yeah. that is, it's not to
1: yeah. be the mediator, right. Like they're not a mediator between you and God.
0: Mm-hmm. That's I,
1: Jesus. Jesus already did that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so it sounds like you're, you're all in this place that you are, anything and anything and everything is sort of on the table and up for negotiation. Is that a fair characterization for, um, for you? Are there some things that you have, um, that you've carried through your, your, your faith journey that you still feel um, is like a bedrock or some sort of something that's steadfast? Is there
3: something for
2: me, it, for me, it's, it's all up in the air. (laughs) Um, I, uh, yeah, I, um, have uh, i'm not i'm even past where kelly is where i'm not even sure if there's a heaven um i'm quite convinced there's not a hell i'm not even sure if there's a heaven anymore and i'm i'm okay with that Mm -hmm. because i i can't prove anything about the afterlife but i can observe life now and i can see how i can make life here better for um The people I come in contact with and for myself too and so I can't I can't control what happens after all I can control is here and that's that's fine with me now it it hasn't always been like I was one of those kids who was afraid of uh, afraid of going to hell and um the the chick track things oh yeah I remember those growing up
1: those (laughs) those
2: are crazy things
1: (laughs) disturbing Um,
2: yeah they are um but and i guess even my view of god has changed a lot too um we were just talking about this in the pub today i think and um i my view of god is more of the like the animating force in in the universe that um causes life to be and connects all of creation, so more that than um a a sentient um being
3: mm-hmm.
2: um so yeah yeah i mean i'm I'm pretty much up for a lot of things now
0: <laughs> yeah yeah and I, I i there are i i think there are Christian <laughs> rationalizations or or like traditions that that can even fit that you know there mm-hmm. um the new creation being being not something that that this whole world is being burned down but actually Jerusalem descends and God comes with us and that is what is being that's what happens right. in revelation at the very end it's not it yeah, doesn't it doesn't think, all burn it's actually right. being redeemed right now and also yes. <laughs> Um, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and also that, I mean, uh, someone I'm, I'm, I'm personally trying to learn more about is Paul Tillich and he, he calls God the ground of all being. So, yes. And mm-hmm. So that, mm-hmm. that to me is resonant, but, um, mm-hmm. it's just, it's something I'm exploring just now. Um, yeah. What about, what about the other two of you? are do you feel like things are just all in the air? Do you have something that's stay consistent throughout your understanding of your faith?
4: No, for me God exists, he's good, and he's in control of the universe and that's the only thing that matters. Everything else is just about me, which is so selfish sounding. Oh my goodness. But it's all <laughs> about me. It really is. It's about me being better at relationships. It's about me being better a better connector with other human beings and that's really all it is.
1: Mm-hmm. E- everything
4: else is semantics. Mhm.
1: Um I think for me I'm kind of both and neither, like between Becky and Callie. Um I guess for me I just I spent so much of my childhood and formative years obsessed with the afterlife. Um obsessed with the rapture, um what would happen, um and just it with so much fear, not for myself because one thing that I was raised to believe is that once you're saved, you're always saved. There's nothing you can do to lose your salvation. Even if you were to like walk away completely and live as if you never were a Christian, I was taught to believe the eternal life is eternal life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I never had that fear for myself of whether or not I would go to hell, but I did have that fear for my family, for my loved ones. Like, and it was really genuine. It was it was I mean, I look back now and I can see why my cousins and my aunts and uncles didn't really like me <laughs> very much as a child um not that they didn't love me, but I was I was pretty uh intense <laughs> about my evangelism. Um I remember even praying in front of my grandmother once that she would get saved and not go to hell. Um Oh, wow. Yeah, she was very happy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also told her once that all the people, at, and I mean, she's not Methodist, she's Lutheran, but re- we drove past the United Methodist Church once, and I told her what I'd been told, that all the people there were going to hell. Oh, and, okay. uh, and so, like, for me, it's just such an ugly part of my background that, and it has so much harm to my view of God, to my relationships, to how I could, to, to adjust my growth as a person, that I I don't believe that, that having an opinion is necessarily beneficial um, as far as, like, whether or not there is a heaven. Because that's not the point. The point isn't getting to heaven where you'll have a golden crown and you'll walk on streets of glass and crystal and you know like and have a mansion like that's that's totally skewing the entire purpose of why christ came Mm -hmm. of of why there is any reason for faith it's not about it's not about some future up there somewhere away from the trials and tribulations of this world you just have to make it Mm -hmm. and bring as many with you as you can regardless of how you treat them otherwise um it's it's who are we now what what have we been given now what opportunities do we have in this life here i mean and when you read matthew i think that is so clear it's so clear when you read matthew but we never read matthew growing up because Mm -hmm. why would you have john
3: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) maybe
1: once a year we'd read you know the sermon on the mount and that was it be so like for me it's just I really don't like spending my time thinking about heaven and hell anymore because when I don't I don't believe in hell anymore, that's completely antithetical to my to how I, I now believe in God and like I have to believe that God is good, that the divine force of the universe, whatever who he, she it is they are good. And if they're not good, I, I can't accept that. I just can't accept that because mm-hmm. I, I can't. And, and because, I mean, cause I mean, I can't control it either way. If, if the divine force isn't benevolent, isn't good, then, you know, we're all just playing a game that we're all bound to lose anyway, which I guess it's kind of morbid to think about it like that, but I don't usually think about it like that.
0: It's <laughs> mm-hmm. a valid perspective. <laughs> Um, <laughs> even though yeah. it's a morbid one <laughs> um, there
1: is some multiverse
4: somewhere where there's a bad god I'm telling oh, you
3: yeah.
0: <laughs> I think it's Earth 3 it's Earth 3 if any of you are into DC Comics <laughs> no, <it's laughs> it. that's yeah. right Earth 3 is where it's Ultraman which is the evil Superman etc
3: um, <laughs> uh, <yes. laughs> I yeah. just
4: like, I'm, love I'm you making... so much right now like <laughs>
0: Finally. Yeah, that big
2: into <laughs> Star Trek and Stargate. Okay. And I love the idea of um sentient aliens. Like I want there to be intelligent life on other planets, like so badly.
3: Oh, there is Becky. And
2: for for you know, for a lot especially evangelicals, that would like destroy their view of God. They're like, But wait. Unless but, you're
3: Callie. Like
2: it wasn't right. just about us. What did what did you say? Unless you're was, Callie. Oh, yeah. Unless you're Callie, because Callie's whole denomination believes in aliens. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but, yeah, so, I I mean, even probably five years ago, like, a lot of the change in my um, beliefs has happened in the last five years. I think maybe I did have more of a a, a powder keg thing at the end, too, I mean, in the last few years. Um, but. Um, it would actually like there being aliens um who are rational and um have agency and everything, um would actually increase my view of God. Like because I, I think that that God is big enough to um to support life on other planets too, not just here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it'd be amazing. I think it'd be great.
0: <laughs> yeah. No. There's, um, there's an, there's a writer that I, that I read in, um, in grad school that you may be interested in. Her name is Sally McVeigh. Um, okay. and she writes a lot about what you know, like when might be called like creation care, that sort of stuff. Okay. But in one of uh, yeah, her, yeah, yeah, yeah. in one of her later books, she, she just kind of says uh, like a in a, in like a throwaway line, but but basically, it's like, yeah, I'm pantheist now. <laughs>
3: like, I believe yeah. that
0: God's life is just like in everything and everywhere. <laughs> and yeah, so, yes. Um, oh my
2: gosh, I would love that because that's where pretty much where I am too.
0: Yeah. So um, it's um, I I'll I'll send you some links uh, separately, because I can't be I can't think of the the name of it. But she, I think she's either pantheist or panentheist, which is right. like there's a slight slight difference there. But, anyways, geez, it, yeah. <laughs> um, hey,
1: Becky, you're you're a panentheist,
2: right? Panentheist, yeah,
0: penentheist, yeah. Yes. So, it's an important distinction, so, but
2: <laughs> it is. It's just hard to describe the difference, yeah. but it is,
0: yeah. yeah. so um yep. since both since all of you um at different points uh, um two of you have mentioned that you've had these sort of powder keg things and then Amanda you've gone through two different cycles of this you know working through your your recent history and everything um in light of all of that i I definitely want to ask all of you how you're processing just the complete upheaval that we're seeing politically and culturally as a result of the election and sort of all the, the nastiness that that we're seeing, um, especially in the name of evangelicalism. uh, Mm -hmm. And it's been definitely extremely disheartening um, from my perspective. um, Today uh, we're recording this, the, the Monday after the Muslim ban, (laughs) Um, yeah and prri Ugh. just did a um a study or a poll and two-thirds of evangelicals support the muslim band um and that sort of stuff so disgraceful <laughs> brings so a dis- lot it is um but as yeah so <laughs> this is where I'm, I'm i'm sure you may have noticed in some of my other episodes like If I get carried away with a thought, or I start thinking about something, I start to stammer, which is not great for (laughs) for an audio show, but it happens. (laughs) Um,
2: I say um, so like um,
0: (laughs) yeah, all those kinds of things, all those things, Uh, all the things. (laughs) Anyways, uh, I did. I how does all of that sort of factor in for for all of you when when you're going through all these other things you. Uh, you're processing whether the value and role of a pastor, um, all these other um, things that that come into the political yeah. and and gender and social and sec- and like sexual identity and all these other things. They I, because of the way evangelicalism teaches us, it's kind of all or nothing. You have a way to to yeah. live, <laughs> mm-hmm. but then yeah. you sort of discover that there's all these other ways to live too. So. Uh, mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> so- I have an interesting story. I was on an airplane yesterday and saw. I flew with three, and we were on like this little eight seater. And there were three girls from LA who were like screenwriters or something. And they were, they're from LA. You know, LA is so far removed from Colorado. And the reality there is so far removed from Colorado. And I'm a conservative. So I'm the most conservative person in the pub, I think. Probably, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think definitely. But for me, with all of this stuff that we have been going through, it is sad to see us yell at each other and hurl Bible verses at each other to try and convince each other. of. And I heard on another podcast, someone was talking about the hurling of Bible verses being like the fifth element where they shoot at the bad black blob and it just eats up the energy and gets bigger and bigger. <laughs> oh, and <yeah. laughs> that was such a good reference for me because I'm such a nerd, but I was talking <laughs> to these girls from LA and I was saying, it's more important for us right now To find people we don't agree with and listen to what they have to say and hear their perspective and really try and understand it without trying to convert them. Mm -hmm. So I have very definite ideas of what I think of all all of politics and all this stuff. I, I listen to certain Polit- political commentary. And, um, I read a lot. My dad was a history teacher and a government teacher. And so I already have a lot of those ideals set in my mind,
3: mm-hmm.
4: but I also have joined a, a book club that is all people over 65 who ran the DNC here in town. They were all campaigning for the, the liberals and the liberal agenda. And I joined their book club and I just listen to what they have to say. And I read the books that they pick because I want to know, I do want to know also the objective, where are we going? What are we trying to accomplish? And so I don't generally join in on any of the, um, the marches or, anything like that, unless I know the answers, because I have to know the objective and I have to know answer, know how to answer questions because I'm not going to be that person on Jimmy Kimmel who has no idea what they're talking about when the (laughs) guy comes around. (laughs) Uh I need to know the answers. And if I know the answers and I agree with where we're headed, I am, I'm in, I'm in, I want to help, but I have to know the answers first. So that's just my own personal Right now, for me, it's about listening. It doesn't matter that the conservatives have taken over the government right now. It all that matters is that I have friends who are hurting, and I want to know why, and I want to know how I can help.
1: That's all that matters. I think for me, um, and I I really agree and appreciate Callie's perspective because, like. Like all three of us come from completely different backgrounds as far as what we've experienced in life and where we're at in life, and even our political ideas. Um, And it's just it's really good, I think, for there to be examples out there of people who don't agree politically to be to show that we can have relationships that we can talk (laughs) about Mm -hmm. things because ultimately it's it's down to how do we take care of each other, and it really needs to come down even more to just listening. I I hurt so much for what is happening though and i I vacillate between some small moments of hope every day and despair because I just can't believe what's happening in our country and I have I personally have know so many people and am related to so many people that have so much at stake. I have family members in the country that are here and they're undocumented from El Salvador. I don't know what's going to happen to them Mm. because if they get deported, they go back to El Salvador, which is right now very, very much controlled by the gangs and everything, but, but name in the government. And because the government just doesn't have the power to, to do anything about it as much as they try. The gangs have so much power and so much influence. And that if you live in a small town, you're already poor you already don't have any options. You already probably only have a third grade education. And and the government's not going to come help you just because El Salvador is just such a mess. And so there's, there's that reality. And then there's the aspect of I just I feel so betrayed and confused by the people that I know that left the church with me. Like we all there was a, a large group of people where we all left the church around the same time, the church I grew up in because of the abuse that we were all experiencing in different ways, different forms. And we all healed together and grew together and processed that together. And and it was a couple of years where we were just, we were family. And um, and I thought it was, and I think it, is, it could still be that. But I know almost all of them voted for Trump and I don't understand it. I don't understand it because... <laughs>
3: I feel like they've
1: gone back to relying on power from a man above, a mediator. They've gone back to that. And it's just, like, and like one of them, she she's even been, like, messaging me on Facebook. And I've stopped responding because I don't know how to respond without getting angry.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And I don't want to get angry. But she's, like, she's, she's saying, like, people just need to get over it. And they just need to move on. They just need to figure out what their priority is. And the priority should be abortion. And they just need to vote for Trump and accept Trump and all that. And, I'm like, and I just wanted to tell her, you. those are the exact same words that people told us when we were leaving the church. They told us, just get over it. This is where God wants you. This is where you're supposed to be. Get over it. It doesn't matter that you're hurt. It doesn't matter that you're being abused. It doesn't matter that you have no freedom. It doesn't matter that what's being done to you is wrong. because we're right because we have doctrine like that's what we all went through how can you how can you leave that from a spiritual family standpoint and then abandon that for political power i just i don't understand Mm -hmm. yeah um yeah
2: (laughs) um And I, so I did participate in the women's March. Um, I, um, growing up, I was a kid who got taken to the, um, anti-abortion protest standing on the side of the road with signs and getting flipped off by passing cars. Um, and (laughs) yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I clearly remember that, um, it was very scandalous because like (laughs) the first time I heard my mom say crap was a big day. Like, we were like, what, that, where did my mother go? Like she never, like that was swearing to us. So, um, yeah. And, um, I, so, um, the pastor just had a live recording in Indiana um, I guess it's been, was it a week ago now? My goodness. Yeah, no, um, only, a week. <laughs> only a week. Well, um, and I went to that, I drove 12 hours to go, um, because they're like, the pub has become my family. I mean, I, I still am on good terms with my immediate family, like my sisters and brothers in law. Um, I'm good friends with them and they're all amazing, wonderful people. Um, and many and kind of half of my mom's family were spread out throughout the country. So we're all very, um, uh, oriented toward our, our region. (laughs) So I have family in, um, in Oregon and in Washington and then family in Texas. Um, and they're very much Oregon and Washington and they're very much Texas. (laughs) And so, and I'm still mostly, I, I still consider myself a Washingtonian, even though I've lived in Oklahoma for, um, the longest that I've lived anywhere. Um, and I, um, so I had that same thing that you had Amanda, but it was my cousin who was messaging me, um, about, about, um, not voting for the baby killer and, um, all these things. And like, I ended up having to block her because she was direct messaging me on Facebook. I'm like, post whatever you want on your, on your page. Um, that's fine. Like on your, on your wall, that's fine. Do whatever you want there, but don't tag me. Don't direct message me because that's crossing a line. Like it, it, whatever you want to say, great, but don't include me in it. Um, and that didn't happen. Like she wouldn't stop. So, um, I, but anyway, so I went to the pastors live and on, um, think the day before I realized, Oh, like I really wanted to go to to the March though. And one of the um, other ladies in the pub, she, um, posted in the pub saying, Hey, does anyone want to go? Anyone who's going to be here in Indiana want to go to the Indianapolis March with me? I'm like, I do. I'm glad someone wanted to go. So, um, Jen and I went, um, it was amazing and great. And, um, Um, like, uh, I'm now the one who's, who, um, I I feel like I need to use my, um, my middle class whiteness privilege that I have to um, amplify voices that don't have as much privilege as me. And if I can go out there and march for my LGBT friends, um, for my, um, African-American friends, for my Muslim friends, for whoever, um, does not have, um, as much privilege in this country as I do, then I'm going to do that. And I go out and I march for my nieces who, um, are like, they have good parents, but, um, my As their aunt, my goal is to provide a better future for them. Mm -hmm. Um, I, gosh, it was only, I think it was only within the last few weeks that I've been able to actually listen to someone who voted for trump like i just i can't i just don't even understand the 81 percent of evangelicals I, I just i don't like i it just does like if you are voting because of your evangelical beliefs or your christian beliefs i just don't see how he was even viable at all yeah um he wasn't it, viable
4: i didn't vote yeah. for him either he's yeah. a crazy person
3: yeah I'm sorry. yes
4: exactly a crazy yeah yeah
2: and the in the <laughs> the thing is like yeah. I, what <laughs> i'm struggling talking. with now what i'm struggling with now is that I, I i i don't believe that this is a christian nation and i'm i'm glad that it's not because i don't want to live in theocracy i've I've seen what happens there, and I don't want that. Um, but I'm also like find myself going back into the same the same mindset of, well, yeah, but like I can't, but we can't have so and so as president because that's like not Christian. I'm like, well, no, I don't like if I if I say that I'm okay with um, a a Hindu being president or, um, a Buddhist being president or a, a Muslim being president, which we haven't had yet people, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> um then why, why would it matter? Um, uh, and sure. so something that I'm struggling with now is, um, reminding myself that my, it, that my responsibility as a, um, as a believer, such as I am, um, is to, or I guess I'll say as a follower of Christ, because I still am that, whether I, um, claim any kind of Orthodox Christianity, I'm still a follower of Christ. Um, then Christ did not, um, use political power. And my, um, responsibility is not necessarily to use political power to advocate for the um oppressed, so it uh, I, I, this is my this is my struggle currently with all of it
3: yeah
1: i'm I'm in a similar place it just I just keep coming back to the um one of the songs from from gunger's uh, one wildlife soul um album the Us for them where they They're just saying if it's if it's us or them, it's us for them. And it's and then in the wake of the of the election, so November eighth, I barely got any sleep and neither did Christopher and we were just I was crying, Christopher was angry (laughs) and and then the next day we talked and we came back to okay, what do we do now? What yeah. does this mean now? What is our action now? like obviously, we knew we need to give ourselves time to grieve to mm-hmm. process to try to to process the anger um which took longer than I thought it would, but like like Becky, I'm at a place now where I no longer feel quite so triggered when I mm-hmm. hear pro trump opinions. I feel more sad rather than furious now um mm-hmm and it, just something we keep talking about in the pub is it comes back to love and we're not going to make it through these next, few, next four years in intact and even safe. If we don't learn how to love people that disagree with us. And, and I believe that applies to people that voted for Trump, of course, but it has to start with me.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And so Christopher and I landed on this, this phrase that we've claimed and even as so much that we got it tattooed <laughs> on our arms, um, uh, love will be our rebellion.
3: Hmm.
1: And because that's because we're 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 we're, rebe- we're rebelling against Trump. Don't get us wrong. We're rebelling, but we're not rebelling out of hate. We don't want to. We We want to rebel out of love. And that means love for each and every person that we come across, regardless of whether they'll accept our love or not.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And we're not gonna succeed. I've failed many times already, <laughs> but that—that's the goal, and that's the only way we're gonna make it.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I think. Yeah. You're all in in different places, um, and come, come at this from different experiences, but I that that through line of of compassion and love is definitely something that. I feel like we all need to have um one thing uh that I think I shared on on my own just personal facebook uh shortly after the election is that we're all gonna have have to have thicker skins and more tender hearts <laughs> than, mm. um yes then then what uh to really make it to make it through this um because it it feels like an ordeal it's going to be a four year ordeal to get through this yeah. um but I think everyone. <laughs> Your your listeners and everything are are in for a great, um, great show to listen <laughs> through because you all have such interesting perspectives, um, just and uh, and for you all to be coming at this with different, um, with different takes and and different personal experiences, uh, but yet, um, both all advocating to listen and to learn and to love like those, those things are all essential to to have any sort of progress so
2: absolutely uh,
0: so it's going to make for a great a great show for all of you um and to bring it back to the fifth element spoiler absolutely the fifth element was love (laughs) if you remember that movie if you remember that movie that is the fifth element that saves the entire universe (laughs)
3: yes
4: (laughs) yay we should yeah. all watch The Fifth Element. That's what we should do. Yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> Especially since I've never seen
2: it
3: before.
1: Oh, oh my oh, god! I totally spoiled for really you. I do. I've, I've, yes, it's like on my list. Like, I mean, people have spoiled it for me like long before now because it's been out so long. But like, <laughs> oh. yeah, I need to see it. <laughs> it.
2: It wasn't me this time, though. But, no, um, no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, your very next chance, you must, you yes. must, you must. Oh yeah. yeah,
0: it's a great, it's a great movie. So mm-hmm. actually, I've
1: never that's, seen The Shining kind
0: of... either. Never seen what? I'm sorry. The Shining either, because oh, okay. another one is like
1: on my have to watch list.
0: <laughs> that, yeah, that that movie was um, one of the movies that my wife and I went to one of our first dates on. Um, oh, really? Like we went to? Well, we went to we went to a so we were breaking the rule at our Christian college and watched a rated R movie.
3: <gasps> yeah,
1: off yeah. campus.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you know? scandalous. Anyways, so uh, where I actually wanted to um, sort of wrap things up and and end on a higher note is actually to borrow something from your show, which is to talk about um, things that that you're fangirling or about uh, about <laughs> or that you you think are um, you think are uh, are cool that's going on. Um, I <laughs> one thing that I saw in the news actually that made me think of that made me think of your show and also think of. Uh, a Doctor Who reference is that um, oh. uh-huh. <laughs> there's, so there's a uh, today or within the last couple of days Elon Musk the head of Tesla and, and SpaceX and everything launched this dream that he has now to build tunnels under LA and I guess there's already a hole in the ground <laughs> so but he wants, uh, to, he wants to build tunnels under LA to alleviate traffic and there is a great Doctor Who episode where the-
2: <gasps> Yes, Gridlock.
0: <laughs> yes. One the-,
2: <laughs>
3: yes, oh, yes. the entire One uh, of my favorites.
0: Where the entire everybody lives their entire lives stuck in traffic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um-
3: <laughs>
2: oh my gosh. Well, a it's great a great episode there. though. Yeah. It it sounds horrible, but it's amazing. <laughs> I know.
3: Yeah. Yeah,
0: it's yeah. it's it's a it's a very good episode. And uh so um so anyways that is was something that I actually just thought of as I was uh, reading and also listening to to one of your shows uh, leading mm-hmm. up to our uh, leading up to our discussion tonight. Um, but how about how about you guys? Are 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 any of you into anything um, recently?
3: Anything
4: that has Jason Momoa in it? Tell <laughs> oh, my husband. Oh yeah. I that. <laughs> I'm with you on that, Kelly. <laughs> oh yeah. I know. It's a, it started with Stargate. And then it yep. just went crazy after that.
0: <laughs> I didn't even know he was in Stargate. Uh, in he was Stargate? in
2: Stargate Atlantis.
0: Oh yeah. Oh, okay, so he's yeah. So not the water.
2: original, yes. not the original Stargate um, series. Oh, or well, series. not the movie yeah. or the original series. But then there was a spinoff called Stargate Atlantis okay. that he was on. Ah.
0: So Aquaman is like a natural progression for him.
4: Heck yeah. yeah oh, yeah. yeah. He's in all kinds of stuff that's cool. Now he's in a Netflix original called Frontier. And oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'm totally watching that. That is in my list. I'll...
1: I will have to watch that
4: now. <laughs> Tell me what you think, Amanda.
0: <laughs> so there's another Netflix series that I just watched recently called The 3%. Have any of you heard of that one? I mean, it's Portuguese. Yeah, it's Portuguese. It's kind of like a uh, it's definitely a dystopia. Um and it's mm-hmm. um kind of like the hunger games ish, so it's like all the there's a there's a society called the offshore um where only three percent of people live in a utopia the other ninety seven percent uh live on land or on the mainland, and they have to compete once they're hit like eighteen or twenty one um to try to become part of the three percent. It uh, oh. so kind of
1: sounds like a combo of Hunger Games and Elysium.
0: Uh, Yes, I think so. Uh, I, I haven't seen Elysium, but it's very similar, like the rich live on their own. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: District 9 is better,
0: but yeah, Elysium's
4: good too. <laughs> My brother's married to a Brazilian woman who only speaks Portuguese, so I was watching it in Portuguese. So I'm going to just throw it out there. I didn't catch as much as I probably should have to really understand the plot, but I have seen it.
1: I'm assuming yes. it has subtitles on Netflix.
0: Yes, it does. It
1: because okay. <laughs> I speak a little Spanish, but I don't speak Portuguese.
0: <laughs> yeah, you'll 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 catch some of the commonalities between Spanish and Portuguese, but Yeah.
3: I'm
1: gonna
2: think what I um, am fangirling about like I finished um reading the Harry Potter series um for the first time. <gasps> um, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was about. Uh, it was a few months ago. I think maybe right before we started the podcast, or maybe a little after we started it. Um, I yeah. Didn't finally, finally read him time. because again, that was one of the things from growing up. Like, uh, it's oh, about totally. magic.
3: It's a handbook.
2: What? Yeah. <laughs> they can't. So and yeah. and then so it started out with that, and then it was like, oh, those are kids' books, blah blah blah. blah. So, um, but so many people who I respect um, and I respect their opinion and uh, love it, and so I'm like, okay, I got to read it. And my nephew was right at the right age, and so he was reading it along with me, um, oh, and awesome. so we discuss it. <laughs> yeah, um, though he did read them faster than me because he has more time. Um, but Dead. I know for real, um, <laughs> and one thing that I, that really, um, hit home for me was I am, I'm a, I'm a blood trader. Like I I've gotten my DNA mm. tested and I am very white. <laughs> um, <laughs> my, it, it, it came up as a hundred percent European, Um and I am a proud blood traitor. I'm that's just that's just who I am. So um yeah, I don't know. That's probably getting it back into like kind of the sad thing. But I love Harry Potter. So we'll just go with I love Harry Potter.
4: (laughs) Didn't you love it? How it's okay. The Chronicles of Narnia were okay because you know C.S. Lewis, and Mm -hmm. The Lord of the Rings is okay because the author was a friend of C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis. Harry Potter was absolutely no no yeah. harry potter yeah 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 has, I oh yeah we watched the BBC. How many, how many times did you hear uh, it has no redeeming value yes yeah
2: exactly we oh, watched a bbc dangerous. um see, uh chronicles of narnia growing up all the time the, yeah 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 um and the,
0: the lord of the rings movies have the most on-screen deaths of any movie series just
2: Oh, my gosh. They really? Well,
4: real nice. <laughs> like, well, yeah,
0: with, with all the orcs yeah, dying Yeah, but they're
4: everything. only orcs. All the orcs, calm down. Yeah. They just, They're not real. They're not real. <laughs> they <not, laughs> That can't happen.
0: Yeah. Well, but, there's, yeah. Always, there's always an exception it, for uh, for violence. Not sexuality, but violence. Yeah. I'd, right. <laughs> we, yeah,
2: not sexuality right. and not magic, but violence is cool. Yeah. <laughs> You're not allowed to procreate, like kill all not, you
0: want. <laughs> yeah. It could be yeah. related to spiritual warfare. Which was the thing
3: mm, that was taught yes. high school.
1: Even though Tolkien was very clear that he hated allegory, yep. um, he yeah. hated allegory. He was so angry when people tried to do, you know, apply allegorical meaning to his books. He's like, no!
3: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and he was actually really annoyed with Lewis for putting allegory in his books. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah. That's all he, that Lewis did. <laughs> yeah.
1: He, oh, Tolkien Unless it also, was nonfiction. Yeah. Yes, Tolkien was also very like I mean, obviously they were really good friends, but he was annoyed with the fact that Lewis um mixed his mythologies together. Oh that he, that he yeah. like like pulled from different mythologies for his books. Tolkien didn't yeah. like that. He's like, yeah. No. Tolkien,
0: Tolkien was another <laughs> on another wavelength, you know. He wrote yep. his own fake language and <laughs> Yes, <laughs> yes a mythology. <laughs> yeah,
3: next, next level for, for sure. Yeah. I think
2: he wrote he Technically, wrote three. Oh, did he write three languages? And
1: oh my! He, he did? I mean, I mean, the Elvish is definitely the one that he expanded upon. The, the he he wrote the most of is definitely the most in depth language. But he wrote rudimentary language for the dwarves and also the the um the tongue of Mordor. Um, oh, the Dark Tongue, the Black Tongue. He he also wrote mm-hmm. that. But I mean, and that was
4: is the biggest
1: nerd. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. I, okay, I, I was part. <laughs> Uh, a lord of the ring like rpg forum like message
0: board forum for like three years uh, okay. that's i mean i've read the silmarillion but i haven't gotten that far <laughs> i actually but i it, have
1: not finished the silmarillion yet it so you is got me a drag <laughs> <laughs> i've started it four times
0: i am yeah, like, like i don't recommend it <laughs> I, I i don't i don't really know why i did it <laughs> You oh read God. the part about Brennan and Luthien and then skip the rest.
3: Okay.
0: Um, so. <laughs> okay.
1: All right. But that's, like, not actually the thing I'm, like, nerding out about right now. Um, like, that's just, like, always there. <laughs> or there it's, just, it's just always there. It's just part of who I am. I mean, like, if you listen to our first episode, you know that my email is in Elvish. Um yep. But, uh. <laughs> So, like, right now what I'm geeking out about is um, Gilmore Girls because I I never actually made it all the way through the show when it was on TV. And so now that it's on Netflix, I'm watching it again. So, like, I finished the first season. I'm also in the second season. And now I have to wait for Christopher to catch up. And so (laughs) he's catching up. (laughs)
0: Nice. Okay.
4: I'm just going to say, Amanda, watch Mrs. Kim and see how many times she mentions the Adventists. Someone who was a writer was an Adventist.
1: That makes sense. Oh, yeah.
4: Oh, my gosh.
1: gosh. (laughs) Yeah, she's... I have problems with Mrs. Kim. Like, I understand that she wants to protect Lane, but... Oh, my gosh.
2: Seriously. Yeah.
1: (laughs) She's crazy. Like, at some point, you have to acknowledge the fact that you've raised a daughter well, and maybe you should trust her if you don't want to lose her.
4: (laughs) Completely like <laughs> the prime yeah. example of how not to parent
1: yes i mean it's amazing Those... lane is as stable and good as she is yeah, I, I will
2: say though I, I don't think this is a spoiler i think lane is the most well adjusted of all of them
3: <laughs>
2: yeah <laughs> even with her mother being as just ridiculous as she is yeah yes, that's
3: true.
1: <laughs> yeah i mean rory has her own issues of course Lorelai. Mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean I really do love the relationship between Nari and Lorelai though. Um, and I think a big part of it is just cause I really wish I had that kind of relationship with my mom.
3: Yeah.
1: And, and it means not that <sighs> it's a lot of history there. <laughs> um,
2: yeah. You and me both girl.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I love my mom and I love my dad, but they're, they're divorced and, and, uh, And it wasn't, it was very, very ugly. It was, it was bad. Um, And the church only made it worse, Um, you know, spiritual discipline and all that. And um, so it's just, that's kind of, kind of colored my relationship with both of them since then. Like with my dad, it's a lot better just because we kind of moved on, but I feel like I'm still, I feel like my mom and I still have some more work to do (laughs) before we can really move on as far as our relationship together goes, but I have yeah. to
4: say when my family gets together for Christmas and Thanksgiving, we're very similar. Just all five of us are very similar to the Lorelai Rory relationship. <laughs> really? We talk in, Oh yeah. We talk in movie <laughs> lines. We all drink massive amounts of coffee. Um, oh, it's amazing. We sit around and play games and eat way too much food. And anybody who wants to come and hang out with us can that's awesome and yeah it's a it's very similar I never really watched Gilmore Girls at like religiously or anything but I did know that our family was relatively healthy yeah most of mm-hmm. the time I'm gonna go with most of the time
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I feel like I have that relationship with my siblings um yeah because like my sister and I especially um like the two of us were just we're super close even though we're even though we're nine years apart um but it's like, it was funny. So like we all live pretty far apart. Um, I'm in Iowa. One of my sisters is in Minnesota with my mom. And then the rest of my family lives in Mexico because my siblings teach at a school there and not last Christmas, but the Christmas before was like the one time that year where all of us were together, like all of us kids. And it was, it was funny. We're at my aunt's house for Christmas. And I just noticed eventually that me and my siblings and plus Christopher, um, cause they, they treat him like a brother too. Um, like the six of us just kind of moved in a, in a pack, like together the whole time. Nice. <laughs> and, oh, like, that's cool. and, and like, we were like, cause we, we hardly ever see each other. And it was just yeah. and like, and like the whole family just kind of like, like moved around us. And not that we weren't interacting with other people, but at one point it almost felt like, like a friend's episode <laughs> where yeah. you're at a party and they're only talking to each other. <laughs> yeah you
0: know, (laughs) kind of funny. Well, I want to thank all of you for, for joining me tonight. And and this was a great conversation. And, um, how can people find your podcast as well as wherever else you might be online?
2: Yeah. Um, you can find us on the inglorious pastors podcast feed. So we are on every other, um, Sunday and, um, and so you just go straight to their feed and then you'd find a Twisted Sisters just within that. Nice. Um, and you can find them on iTunes and Podbean and various other locations. Um, and then to get us directly, um, we are on Twitter um, at Twisted Sisters. It's um, S-I-S-T-E-R-D-S because it's a playoff of the Past Pasts. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> And then each of us have our own Twitters as well. Um, I'm at Becky Seville.
4: I'm at Kelly Searching. And I'm at Indwelt Daughter. Is it Kelly Search Search seventy nine? I think it's Kelly. Search, Search seventy nine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: I keep changing mine.
4: My,
1: my
4: Twitter. <laughs> <and> my Twitter. <laughs> the mistake. Yep.
1: And then we also have a WordPress site. It's um, uh, TwistedSisters dot wordpress dot com.
0: Great. Well, thank you very much Amanda, Callie, and Becky. Thank you very much for joining me tonight. I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks so much, thank Blake. Yeah, thanks for having us. This is fun. Have a good night, Blake. You too.